your copy of God's Word, please turn to the Gospel of Matthew again as we kind of pick up our study of the Beatitudes together in a series we're, call, we're calling Blessed. And uh, we'll kind of be in this for a little bit now that we've gotten through uh, camp and vacation and Bible school focusing in on this, um, this uh, passage of Scripture together here in the Gospel of Matthew uh, chapter 5. Now don't answer out loud, but I want you to think about something. What comes to your mind when you hear the word meekness? Meekness. What comes to mind when you hear the word meekness? Now, sad to say, you might automatically think of a word that rhymes with it. You might be thinking about the word weakness. When you hear meekness, you might think weakness. And in fact, the whole idea of meekness does not get a fair shake in our dog-eat-dog world. In fact, when you think about meekness, maybe Don McCullough speaks for you when he wrote, meekness, let's admit it, we don't like the word. It tastes insipid. It smells like morning mouth. It looks like Casper milk toast. It has the strength of a cooked noodle. Coaches don't rally teams with meekness. Executives don't send salespeople into the field with it. And politicians don't promise to lead by it. Parents don't counsel their children on how to develop meekness. Generals don't embolden troops with a speech on meekness. You won't find anyone offering seminars on meekness training. It probably should be examined by the Housing Committee on Un-American Activities. Wow, that's pretty much a mouthful, isn't it? Of how little we think of this whole idea of meekness. But then we come to the words, we bump into the words of the Lord Jesus. And the Lord Jesus has a way of changing our lives in so many ways, doesn't He? And changing our perspective on things and causing us to stop dead in our tracks. And we find that the Lord Jesus says the exact opposite of what the world says about meekness. In fact, He says that the meek are blessed. In fact, uh, Matthew chapter 5, verse 5, He says these words, Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. We could say then the Lord Jesus says that meekness is good, meekness is godly, it's right, it's desirable, it's blessed. It's a wonderful thing. But it is rare. And it's misunderstood. And I want us to try to remedy that in our dwelling here today as we think about this whole idea of meekness. Now recall where we are in our study. It's been a little while. We're at the beginning of Jesus' Sermon on the Mount. And we're looking at the Beatitudes, and this is the third Beatitude. And I want you to notice today that there is a progression up to this point. We looked at the first Beatitude that says, Blessed are the poor in spirit. We talked about the fact that that uh, talks uh, to us about our spiritual bankruptcy. We're spiritually bankrupt. We're spiritually poor. We're poor in spirit. Then the second Beatitude came along and said, Blessed are those who mourn. And we talked about the fact that that is specifically mourning over our sin. And then we come to the third beatitude today. When you think about our poverty of spirit, when you think about the mourning over our sin, this morning's beatitude makes perfect sense, doesn't it? Because of those things, it leads to meekness in our life. When we recognize our spiritual poverty, we mourn over our sin, we see ourselves in the light of the truth, in the light of God's glory and righteousness and goodness, it leads us not to proudness, not to arrogance, it leads us to meekness. We have nothing to boast in apart from 
the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, since this is such a misunderstood topic, I want to ask and answer some questions today. And we're going to start with simply this question. What is meekness? What is meekness? I mean, is it weakness? Is it what the uh, fellow described there earlier as I, I read to you? Well, we need to understand what Jesus is saying here. And your Bible may have this translated differently. Your Bible may say, blessed are the meek. It might say, blessed are the gentle. It might say, blessed are the humble. It's actually a very difficult word to fully capture in the English language. But in the day that the Lord Jesus used it, it was used to describe a couple different things. It was used to describe a soothing medicine. A soothing medicine. It was used to describe the wind. And it was used to describe a horse uh, or a colt uh, that had been broken and become useful. So a gentle breeze, a, a soothing medicine, a colt that had been broken and had become useful. And you know, all those things I just mentioned have uh, something in common. They have a trait of power. Medicine is powerful. The wind is powerful. A horse, a colt, is powerful. But the picture here is a soothing medicine, a gentle breeze, a colt that has been broken. So it's power, but it's power under control. Because when those three things let any of them get out of control, you've got a mess on your hands. You take, you take too much medicine. The wind is very powerful and strong. A wild horse gets loose. Imagine the destruction and the havoc that you have. But when those things are under control, they're a blessing and they're useful. And so meekness, beloved, is not weakness. Forever erase that from your mind. Weak, meekness is not weakness. It's power under control. It carries with it the idea of humility and gentleness. And it describes someone who, who does not overly concern themselves with, with, with standing up for themselves, but they're quick to stand up for the truth and they're quick to stand up for someone else. Now, we don't hear a lot about gentleness today, do we? But the Bible is clear concerning this whole idea of, weak, of meekness here has the idea of power under control and humility and gentleness. In fact, the Bible has much to say about gentleness. Listen to these verses. Philippians chapter 4, verse 5. Let your gentleness be known to all men. The Lord is at hand. When's the last time we talked about that? Let your gentleness be known to all men. The Lord is at hand. 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 11. But you, O man of God, Flee these things that pursue, listen, righteousness, godliness, faith, love, patience. Amen! But you know what else it says? It says at the end of that verse, gentleness. Now let me just say that again. But you, O man of God, flee these things and pursue gentleness. You, O man of God. Power under control. Picture a beautiful, powerful, muscular horse. A beautiful creature that God's created. But picture that beautiful, majestic, powerful horse as being gentle and obeying its rider's every direction. See, that's a wonderful picture of what meekness is. We see meekness in the lives of several Bible characters, but allow me to mention just two this morning. First of all, let me mention to you Moses. 
Um, when you think of Moses, do you think of weakness? <laughs> Is that the first thing that pops in your mind? Anybody here say, hey, you know, I think Moses was a weakling. I think uh, Moses was a sissy. No, we think about Moses as being a wonderful leader, a, a man of God, a, a commander there, and, and carrying forth the, God's people and used of God in a mighty way and, and standing before Pharaoh and, and doing all these things. So you think about Moses, but you know what Numbers chapter 12 and verse 3 says about Moses? Here's what God's Word says about Moses. Here's what God says about Moses in Numbers 12, 3. Now the man Moses was very meek, above all the men which were upon the face of the earth. Now think about that. He was very meek. Above all the men, out of all the people at that time, the meekest man, it says, was Moses. Hebrews 11, the Hall of Faith chapter, verses 24 to 26 shows us some of Moses' life. It says, By faith Moses, when he became of age, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the passing pleasures of sin, esteeming the reproach of Christ greater riches than the treasures in Egypt, for he looked to the reward. So one of the characters we have in the Bible who illustrates meekness, by the way, power under control, humility, is Moses. But there's a greater example than Moses. And it is the Lord Jesus Himself. In fact, do you realize the Lord Jesus calls Himself meek? Matthew eleven twenty eight and 29 says, Come unto Me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take My yoke upon you and learn of Me. Now listen to the next part of the Lord's words. For I am meek, and lowly in heart, and ye shall find rest unto your souls. When you think about meekness and power under control and humility and gentleness, we see that in the life of our Lord Jesus. We see it in His birth, don't we? We see it in His life. We see it in His death. Even at His triumphal entry, where He's being brought into the city, Matthew 21, verse 5, Tell ye the daughter of Zion, Behold, thy king cometh unto thee. Listen, you may not have noticed this before. Thy king cometh unto thee meek. And sitting, the old King James says, sitting upon an ass and a colt, the fold of an ass. It says there he was meek. Now let me ask you, would anyone here consider the Lord Jesus to be weak? Would anybody here say, well, the Lord Jesus, he, you know, he, he was just, he was a wimpy one. No, beloved. He was meek. He chose humility. He chose gentleness. He chose these things. Was he weak? Well, let me ask you something. If we could bring the money changers in this morning that were in the temple that day when the Lord Jesus went in and drove them out, do you think they'd say, oh yeah, that Jesus, he's just a little, he's, he's not very strong. No. <laughs> No power under control. Power under control. Gentleness. Meekness. Meekness is concerned with others more than self. And so we know now what meekness is. It's power under control. It's humility. It's gentleness. All those things. It's hard to capture it all, but that's a picture. But then the next question is, how is meekness a blessing? How is this a blessing? Well, look again at the Lord's words. It says, blessed are the meek. Why? for they shall inherit the earth. Now, these words were first spoken in the book of Psalms. 
In fact, if you'll jot this reference down, Psalm 37.11. You can even write it in the margin if you want beside Matthew 5.5. So we find these words spoken first. Psalm 37.11. It says, But the meek shall inherit the earth and shall delight themselves in the abundance of peace. Now this sounds so countercultural to us, doesn't it? The meek don't take the spoils, the strong do. But not so in the kingdom of God. You see, the meek, they don't fight for it. They don't strive for it. They don't wrestle over it. It's given to them. In fact, jot these references down. Psalm 24.1. The Bible says in Psalm 24.1, The earth is the Lord's and all its fullness, the world and those who dwell therein. Because it's His, He can give it to whoever He wants to. And of course, we understand here the earth being talked about in this beatitude is the new earth that is coming. <clears throat> you can jot this reference down, 2 Peter 3.13. Nevertheless, we, according to His promise, look for new heavens and a new earth in which righteousness dwells. So we're not talking about this wicked, evil time we're living in, but the new heaven, the new earth. And it says, blessed are the meek, blessed are those who are humble, those who are gentle, those who are uh, power under control, for they shall inherit the new earth. Now, beloved, let's just be honest about it for a moment. To be quite honest, humanity is quite dumb. <laughs> humanity is quite dumb. We think that uh, might is right. And we think that might wins the day. Uh, but this has been proven false over and over again. As I was studying this past week, I ran across uh, some things that Haddon Robinson had written about this. And, and it really captured me. And I want to share it with you. He said, The arrogant and the power seekers don't inherit the earth. Hitler followed Napoleon and countless others in his quest for world domination but God was not on the side with the biggest cannons. We forget that too, don't we? Hitler ran into God in the form of a Russian winter and army, and the German people never became masters of the world. Throughout history, nations such as Assyria, Babylonia, and Rome have seemed invincible. And if we judge them on any given Tuesday, we might believe it. But if we examine them not by the day, but by the years, we discover the arrogant and the power mad do not inherit the earth. He went on to say, and boy, this really caught my attention. What's true with nations is true in the animal world. He said the lions and tigers should be in control and the lambs should not be buying anymore. If we were betting people, no doubt we would place our money on the eagle rather than on the sparrow, but listen, yet the lion, the tiger, and eagle are endangered species. There are plenty of sparrows and lambs. You ever thought about that? We're slow learners, aren't we? <laughs> we just don't get it. Meekness is a blessing because of the inheritance. The meek shall inherit the earth. But it's also a blessing because of God's grace. Never forget this verse, beloved. Jot this reference down, please. Memorize this verse. James chapter 4, verse 6. It says, But He gives more grace. 
Therefore, he says, God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. God stands against the proud person. God resists the proud person. God fights against the proud person, but he gives grace to the humble. And so if you want God's blessing on your life, we have to come not in pride and arrogance, not saying, look at me, but saying, woe is me, for I am undone. Meekness and humility and these things, it brings blessing and it brings God's grace into our lives. Meekness is indeed a blessing. But then another question arises. How do we become meek? I mean, is this just something that we work on like our jump shot or trying to throw a football with a perfect spiral? I mean, is it a try-harder thing? Is it this whole idea of grin and be gentle, grin and be meek? We just chant that to ourselves every morning we get up, grin and be meek, grin and be gentle. Is that what this is? No. Praise the Lord, we're not left to ourselves on this one. In fact, meekness is a fruit of the Holy Spirit. Galatians chapter 5, verses 22 and 23 But the fruit of the Spirit, that is the Holy Spirit, is love, joy, peace, long-suffering. Listen to this one. Gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance or self-control. Against such there is no law. You see, beloved, these things are not natural They're supernatural. God, the Holy Spirit, works in our lives to bring these things about. Listen to this verse and see how it flies in the face of the world's philosophy. Philippians chapter 2 and verse 3. Listen to this verse and think about our world that we live in and see how different this verse sounds. Let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit. We could just stop right there and say, boy, that goes against everything we're taught in the world, isn't it? Let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem others better than himself. So if I'm understanding the Scripture, beloved, there's no room here for looking out for number one. There's no room for knocking people off the ladder as I climb up the ladder. There's no room for focusing on ourselves first. Instead, as a child of God, if I'm a child of God, if I've repented of my sin and placed my faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit's indwelt me and He's working in my life to bring about the fruit, He's working in my life to do many, many things, part of which is to make me gentle, meek, humble. And He's working in my life to do that and we have to cooperate with this work in our life. We have to understand the fruit of the Spirit and and these things we're talking about, they're not the optional part of discipleship. Uh, They're not just for the deluxe Christian model. We are all supposed to have meekness and gentleness in these things because we need these things. In fact, I want to share another question with you and answer, and that is how important is meekness? And I think you'll be quite amazed when you look at it in this light. 
I found these in uh, David Jeremiah's study on the Beatitudes, and I want to share them with you. How important is meekness? Why do we need meekness in our life? Well, first of all, we need meekness to receive God's Word. James 1.21, the Bible says, Therefore lay aside all filthiness and overflow of wickedness. Listen, and receive with meekness the implanted Word which is able to save your souls. This builds upon what we talked about last week. You know, last week we had Vacation Bible School Sunday, and I preached to you on the theme verse, Open my eyes, I may say wondrous things from your law. We talked about the fact that we have to humble ourselves when we come to the Word of God. We come in a spirit of humility, and we come seeking the Lord's illumination. We're praying for the Holy Spirit to teach us, to open our eyes, to help us understand it. And so in order to understand the Word of God, we need meekness, humility. We need to come to it in that kind of spirit. But there's another reason why we need meekness and why it's important. We need meekness to restore fallen Christians. Galatians chapter 6, verse 1. Brethren, so he's talking to believers, if a man be overtaken at a fault, ye which are spiritual... Restore such a one, listen, in the spirit of meekness, considering thyself, lest thou also be tempted. When we're dealing with a, an erring brother or sister, and we're seeking to help restore them to the fellowship, it says we have to be meek. Meekness required in order to forgive, to restore, and also to resist the temptation ourselves. To realize, but there, by the grace of God, that would be me. And so we need meekness to restore fallen Christians. And we also need meekness to reach others with the gospel. Are you seeing the theme running here? And yet, we don't talk much about meekness. And we don't think about meekness. And we don't highly prize meekness. But it's so important in our Christian lives. We need meekness to reach others with the gospel. 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 15 says it bluntly and plainly, but sanctify the Lord God in your hearts and be ready always to give an answer to every man that asketh you a reason of the hope that is in you. We usually stop there and say, well, you've got to be ready. You've got to be studied up and prayed up. But let me, let me read it again. And I'm going to add the rest of the verse. But sanctify the Lord God in your hearts and be ready always to give an answer to every man that asketh you a reason of the hope that is in you. Listen, with meekness and fear. If I understand that correctly, that means our presentation of the Gospel, the sharing of the good news is not to be done in haughtiness. It's not to be done in pride. It's not to be done in arrogance. It's to be done in meekness and gentleness. And it says even with fear. As you realize exactly what it is we're communicating. The glorious Gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. But there's another reason we need meekness. We need meekness to remain unified in our church. Ephesians chapter 4, verses 2 and 3 says it this way, with all lowliness and meekness, with long-suffering, forbearing one another in love, endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit 
and the bond of peace. We need meekness to remain unified in our churches. Let me ask you a question. How many church splits have you heard about in your life that they happened because all the members were being too meek? Okay. You heard about that church over there that split? Yeah. Why did it split? The members were way too meek. You ever heard that? That's not a big problem, is it? Too much meekness. Too much gentleness. But what about pride? What about arrogance? What about power struggles? What about sin? What about oneself instead of the Savior's enthroned upon the heart? Do you see, beloved, why the Lord Jesus says that if you're meek, you're blessed. You're blessed of God. Why? Well, you're going to inherit the earth. Those that are meek and humble, they receive God's grace. They receive God's help. Those that are meek, they can come to the Word in the right spirit. They can share the Gospel in the right way. They can help restore a fallen brother or sister in Christ. And they can help to keep the unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace when we esteem others better than ourselves. You see, beloved, this whole issue of meekness is not a little matter that can be easily ignored and kind of shoved to the side. It impacts so much of our Christian life. We can't afford to downplay it or ignore it. Instead, this morning, let us pray that God would give us wisdom and the desire and the power to cooperate with the Holy Spirit who is working to cultivate this beautiful fruit in our lives for the glory of God, for the good of ourselves, for the good of the church, and even for the good of the lost, that we truly would be meek like Moses, but even better, to be meek like Jesus. Father, We need your help in understanding this. This is not the message that we receive on a daily basis in our world. But it's the message that you've given to us through your word and through your son. Father, we can't come up with this on our own. So thank you for working in us to bring this about. Help us, Lord, to cooperate with the Spirit's working, to be obedient, to be submissive, to humble ourselves, to act in gentleness, Lord, to exercise power under control, your control. Lord, thank you for what you're teaching us in these Beatitudes. They're so deep. There's so much here. But Lord, we've caught a glimpse of this truth today. And Lord, I pray that it would catch us. And that Lord, we would live this truth out in your power this week and in our lives. Help us, Father, we pray, to 
truly be blessed in this matter. In Jesus' name, amen. Our closing hymn. Number 308. I don't know what God the Holy Spirit is saying to you this morning, but whatever He's saying, please be submissive and obey. You need to be saved today. Come, let us help you in understanding that. You want to come and pray about a matter in your life? Come do that. The altar's open. We're going to sing together number 308. The altar's open. Pass me not. O gentle Savior, let's stand together and sing 308. Thank you.